Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. Hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Ben Kissel. This is a bonus episode of Top Hat. Uh, here's my performance from Fox News Radio. We got some interesting calls, uh, some interesting guests, and I hope you enjoy it. Hail yourselves, everyone. Talk to you, well, now. Yo, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here with you. Happy Wednesday. You know, I was talking with my producer, Christine, before the show. We were talking about aneurysms. There, you can die. You can just die whenever. Happy so, hump day. <laughs> happy hump day. So live every live every moment like it's your last because you never know when your brain's going to explode. Um, all right. We got a bunch of stuff to get to here. We're going to talk a little bit. Did you guys hear this? We're going to have a Space Force, uh, the sixth branch of government. Donald Trump wants it. Move over. Ronald Reagan, Star Wars. That's all. That's passe. We're talking to Space Force. We got some sound. As a matter of fact, I just got to play this. This is my favorite. This is one of my favorite things of all time. This is just Trumpism personified. Because we're getting very big in space, <laughs> both militarily and for other reasons. And we are seriously <laughs> thinking of the Space Force. Space Force! Awesome. Very cool. Get Buzz Lightyear out there. Gotta love Space Force. We'll talk about uh, Donald Trump. Is he going to meet with Mueller? Is he going to sit down with the dude? Got a bunch of sound to play about that. We'll probably start this show off here in a second talking about that. Do you think that's a good idea? Do you think Donald Trump should sit across from Robert Mueller and answer these questions? By the way, most people only saw like the five questions uh, that were being reported, but there was like 51 questions that what I believe was leaked from a Trump supporter, I think, one of Trump's lawyers leaked it, and we'll have that conversation. Do you think that it was leaked by Trump or Trump's team, or do you think this was leaked by Mueller's team? The reason I say it was leaked by Trump's team is because this was obviously set out there, given to the public to deter Donald Trump from talking. And I think that Mueller would love to speak with Donald Trump. And that's tricky. I mean, even Trump supporters say, hey, you know what? Not every time he speaks... He tells the truth, and I don't know if we want to see him under oath because, of course, that's exactly what got Bill Clinton in trouble. Interestingly enough, speaking of lawyers, this dude, Ty Cobb, not the baseball player, he's out. 
He's been replaced with Babe Ruth. That's a funny joke. That is, that's just classic Kissel humor right there. No, Ty Cobb, he's the former lawyer for Donald Trump. He says he's going to retire, and I'll tell you one thing. Retire indeed. Go to a beach and just let that glorious mustache just absorb all the sand in the world. He's bringing in this guy. Donald Trump is bringing in this dude, Emmett Flood. Emmett Flood, very powerful Washington lawyer, Washington insider. Interestingly enough, helped Bill Clinton in the 90s when it came to that little impeachment thing. What does that mean? Does that mean Donald Trump sees uh, something on the inside? He thinks the winds might be blowing down the path to impeachment? He definitely got someone who understands Washington, who understands presidential politics, and who understands presidential law much more than the other folks that he surrounded himself with. Emmett Flood, now officially with Donald Trump. He's an official lawyer for uh, Donald Trump. Just real quickly, last week we talked about those uh, black dudes that were arrested at a Starbucks. Everything got settled. And in a nice kind of uh, way to conclude this story, uh, they settled for a buck and uh, the uh, state gave 200,000 bucks to a youth program. So I think that's good. I, it's nice to see it wasn't just some big opportunity for a massive money grab. They went and they invested 200,000 bucks in a youth program, which is going to be beneficial for their society. We're also going to talk a little bit about Kanye West. I mean, I'll tell you, I guess he's taken what some people would consider the red pill. Um, I don't know if it's going to help album sales, but he has really been going all in talking about how slavery was a choice. You know what I'm going to call it? Controversial. I'm going to call it controversial. 877-367-2526. Give me a call because today and tomorrow, these are my last two days you're ever going to hear me. So if you hate me or if you love me, or if you're just like my father and you're just kind of like, well, he's around, give me a call because we have six more hours. We have six hours together, folks. And I'm going to miss you, but you guys are going to enjoy Benson and Harf. 877-367-2526. That's 877-367-2526. First question, do you think Donald Trump should sit down with Mueller? Do you think that's a good idea? Or do you think what he he should do, what his lawyer Michael Cohen did, plead the fifth? This is Jonathan Turley. He's a Fox News reporter. He is talking about what it means to advise Donald Trump, not just the person, but the president, specifically, again, in the context of should he sit down with this dude? Should he sit down with a special counsel? Part of the problem dealing with this president is you have to advise him not just as a person but as a president. In, in, in fairness to John Dowd, he was approaching this as, a, as he should, as a criminal defense attorney looking out for the best interest of his client with regard to criminal charges. But at some point, particularly in the White House counsel's office, you have to remind the president <clears throat> he's the president. And the route that they're taking, if they defy Robert Mueller, mm. could lead to him having to make a choice of speaking and testifying alone in a grand jury or taking the Fifth Amendment. No president has ever done that in history. And someone has to remind him that that should not be an option for him to consider. Mueller, Mueller, Mueller. Jonathan Turley continues. Uh, here he is. 
the release of, of these questions um, was... Just quick context here. So that was uh, that was uh, Turley talking about, you know, what it means to counsel the president. Should he sit down with uh, with Mueller or not? And now we're talking about these these questions that were leaked. Do you think that Trump leaked them? Maybe not Donald Trump himself. People in Trump's counsel, do you think they leaked uh, these questions? I mean, and they are invasive and they're tricky. I, I definitely see where, uh, you know, Donald Trump, any human being could get caught up. That's the whole point of these things. The FBI, I mean, because Trump tweets so much and because he was on, he had 20 times the media coverage of any other presidential candidate because he just cannot <laughs> keep his mouth shut when he feels like he is being wronged. He has said so many things. All they got to do is catch him. It's just it's going to be easier than someone who is a little bit more tight lipped. For example, one of the questions is. This was this was according to the leaked uh, documents. What was the pre this is the question? What was the president's view of James Comey during the transition with respect to job performance? I mean, what's he going to answer with that? If he says, I think it was great. It was wonderful. We have a bunch of audio, a bunch of tweets that say the opposite. Or if he says, I think he was horrible, I think it was a, a disaster, he's a disastrous head of the FBI, does this reflect poorly on Donald Trump as well? It's it's a lose-lose in a lot of ways. So this is Turley talking about uh, the um, the uh, questions that were released. The release of, of these questions um, was a, a very aggressive act, and it's most likely someone who doesn't want the interview to occur. You don't poison <clears throat> a well that you intend to drink from. And that's what this was an effort to do, to show that the questions were broad, to possibly justify a refusal by the president to sit down with Mueller. Otherwise, most of the questions, I'd say 90 percent, were highly predictable. All right. There we go. Jonathan Turley, he continues here sort of channeling what I was just talking about regarding a trap. I'm not saying this in like some massive conspiratorial sense. But we know what, if anyone's ever talked to law enforcement, you know they good cop, bad cop, uh, but they don't have your best interest in mind. They want to get you for something. I watch a lot of that first 48, and I interviewed uh, a guy named Rob Demery, who is the star of the Discovery um, uh, investigation discovery show Murder Chose Me. And we were talking a little bit about that when it came to interrogation and how do you get people – to, to break or how do you get folks to tell you basically that they did it and there are multi there's a multitude of different ways to do it you can be nice you can be mean uh you can not give them water like dick tracy did to mumbles in the classic dick tracy film remember that mumbles big boy did it big boy did it classic scene and then uh and then uh, dick tracy did end up getting uh him some water from a very um i'm gonna say roman Roman water, uh, water. Um, what do you call those things? What do you call those things, Max? A water, a Culligan, a filter, water. What do you call that? Nah, not a Brita. You know, you hit the button there and the water comes out. What do you call something like that? A water dispenser? Water dispenser. It was That's a very. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Aneurysms and dispensers. <laughs> well, the Dick Tracy. Remember the water dispenser in Dick Tracy? Never saw the movie. It was very phallic. You don't, you never saw. Oh, every time I talk to you, Christine. Okay. So this is Jonathan Turley talking about how assume it's a trap.
I think there may be a setup here. Uh, whenever you go into these things, you have to assume that it could be a perjury trap. That doesn't mean you have to fall in it. I've done a lot of depositions that are a lot more complex than this. He has very good attorneys that will be there with <clears> him. <throat> if he preps, if he prepares with those attorneys and listens to them, mm. yes, I think he could get through this. I also agree with them that the alternative is not particularly appealing. If he decides to bunker down, uh, then Mueller could hit him with a subpoena. Bunker down. 877-367-2526. 877-367-2526. Also, this first hour of this very radio show you're listening to right now. Maybe you're on Sirius Channel 450. Maybe you're driving. Maybe you're lonely and you want to give me a call. 877-367-2526. Or maybe we're not talking to anyone. That's also possible. Uh, you can check out this show on Facebook. Just go to Facebook, search Fox News Radio, and you can see me talking there. I'm wearing my uh, my Necronomicon shirt. It says Reed on it. Read the Necronomicon. Why not? Evil Dead, great, great. Two movies, but really it's uh, it's one movie, and then Sam Raimi got a budget uh, to do it twice, basically. This is Andy Biggs. Uh, now, we are talking here about the leaks uh, 877-367-2526. A lot of people are, some people, the Republicans are pointing the finger for the leaks at, um, at Mueller. And then a lot of other folks are saying, hey, why, what would be the benefit for Mueller to leak these questions? Some people don't think it was Mueller as well because uh, some of the grammar isn't exactly spot on. But this is the Republican perspective. We want to do both, all all two perspectives in the world. That's what we cover here, both of them. All right, this is Andy Biggs talking about leaks and how uh, it is sinking Mueller's ship. And I will say, I mean, this Russia thing's been going on for so long. The folks that we've seen fall, it looked, Manafort at this point is the biggest fish that seems to be frying. Everyone else has kind of played it out. And it seems like uh, the um, the Roger Stone stuff doesn't really seem to be going too far, too quick. So we'll see where this uh, where this investigation goes. It's it's you know these investigations are like a shark. If they stop going forward, if they stop moving, they do die. Here's Andy Biggs talking about uh, exactly that. It's not surprised that they're that they've been leaked. Obviously, uh, I mean. Things that have been leaking uh, from Robert Mueller, his ship is a, a, a sinking ship because it's full of leaks. So that doesn't surprise me, and it doesn't. Uh, I, I think they're probably the real questions that Mr. Mueller wants to get at. And and what's problematic for me is is this shows that that he has gone clearly outside the channels of what he was supposed to be looking at. Sounds like Mr. Mueller's boat needs flex seal. Flex seal, ladies and gentlemen. You ever see those Flex Seal commercials? Fascinating stuff. What do you think? 877-367-2526. That's 877-367-2526. We're going to play this clip of Dan Abrams uh, to get the other side, and then we'll take our first break. Give me a call. Again, I'm going to miss you. We're all we're separating, and I'm not going to orbit you or ghost you. I'm gonna, I'll be like dead. Pretend like I'm dead. Uh, this is Dan Abrams talking about how he, he believes, 
and it makes a lot of sense to me. This is where I tend to go on this. Uh, he believes the questions were leaked from the Trump side. There is no question that these leaks did not come from Mueller's team, but did come from Trump's team. How do we know that? Because in the New York Times article, they make it very clear that this came from a list of questions that Mueller's team read to them. And so Trump's team created this list that was then leaked by someone outside of Trump's defense team. But no question it came from Trump's side. Yo, what's up, everybody? How you doing? Ben Kissel back here with you. We're talking about Donald Trump. We're talking about Mueller. We're talking Russia investigation. We're talking should Donald Trump sit down with the special counsel or should he stand up and leave the room? A lot of opinions on this. Also want to point out here the Fox uh, News Radio. You can go on Facebook, search Fox News Radio, and watch the show streaming live. I read the comments here. Eh, some are kind of mean, but then a, a bunch of them are nice, too. So isn't that exciting? Uh, Carol Zubak Alexander, she says, say something about North Korea letting those three American prisoners go. And we'll get to that because some big news coming out of North Korea. I think that definitely helped uh, with the nomination of now Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. We will get to that. And I'll tell you one thing. They better be coming back in, uh, in better shape than Otto Warmbier. I will tell you that. My God. Gosh, what they did to that poor guy. Unbelievable. That's why it is still angering when Trump says, oh, you know, he's an honorable dude. Kim Jong-un, nothing honorable about that guy. He's still a tyrant, in my opinion. But at the same time, it is important uh, that we have conversations and uh, hopefully we can create uh, more peace around the world. We're also going to have the conversation. Do you think Donald Trump should get a Nobel Peace Prize? It's being discussed. Uh, and you know what? I mean, honestly, man. Whatever. If he gets, uh, you know, between President Moon, Xi Jinping and Trump, if they get North Korea to denuclearize, to get rid of their nukes, why not? Just give it to him. Taylor Zablowski on Twitter uh, says here she's correcting me on my Evil Dead reference. She says Evil Dead was four movies and a controversial opinion. The remake was the best. Well, I like the remake quite a bit, but I'm talking the original Evil Dead. My goodness gracious. All right, let's continue on here. We got a little bit more sound. I want to play this clip from Sean Hannity's show. It's right here on Fox News. This is David Schoen. He's saying Mueller is after an obstruction of justice charge against Donald Trump. Let's play this. Get him in front of you so you can charge him with obstruction of justice. That's the abuse of the special counsel regulations mm -hmm. that were passed. They create a whole new class of charges so that Mr. Mueller unilaterally can charge the president with perjury, obstruction of justice, intimidation, or anyone else who he believes or wants to believe is interfering with his so-called investigation. It's very dangerous. All right, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Give me a ring, 877-367-2526. I'm Ben Kissel. This is Fox News Talk. We'll take a quick break and come right back. <laughs> Yo, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here with you. We're talking about Donald Trump. We're also discussing, we're, we're talking about this little investigation. Have you heard about this Russia investigation? Has that been talked about at all in the news? I'm not sure. What do you think? Should he sit down with Mueller or not? And who do you think leaked these questions? I think it came from, the call came from inside the House on this one. I think they wanted to deter this. Uh, when I say they, I mean Donald Trump's counsel wanted to deter him from sitting down with Robert Mueller because they can get him on anything. 
it's it's so it, it's just it is really a difficult position to be in. They just circle you, circle you, circle you, and before you know it, you've tied your own noose. Let's go to Lake Bluff, Illinois. My boy Adam's on the phone. Adam, what do you want to say? What do you think, man? Do you think Trump what? should sit down with this dude? No way. And on top of that, he's the president. Fire! He should do like something right out of Game of Thrones. Fire <laughs> everybody. Rosenstein. Well, he should fire Mueller. Anybody and anyone that. You he know he wants to. to. You know he's like he. he Why not? If you what were, if you lose? were like uh, Animal House, if you were, if you were the bad devil on his shoulder, I think that that's exactly what it's saying to him. Just get rid of everyone, and you know well, maybe should. maybe Rosenstein. Fire him anyways. Well, no matter what, they're going to twist it. Now this thing about the New York Times, <clears throat> I'm telling you, they could have made it look like it was a White House leak. Oh, maybe Trump has said that they didn't leak it. Yeah, you know. Trump says he didn't leak it, but I don't, maybe uh, this is a plausible deniability. Maybe they circumvented the guy and they kind of back-channeled it and got it to the press. And one thing, I haven't heard from Steve Miller lately. What's going on with him in there? I don't know, man. I think he's just trying to, like, he's he's, he's dressing up for Halloween as the, the brain from that MTV show. <laughs> Remember the brain? <laughs> that show was great thank you adam I, I appreciate you brother appreciate the call uh i apologize it wasn't the brain it wasn't uh it was mtv's the head that is the uh the stephen miller reference i was trying to make there so adam says fire everyone that is expressed by uh a lot of people out there when it comes to trump supporters but the backlash of firing comey was so extreme maybe he can get away with firing rosenstein but again we have to remember this whole thing of obstruction of justice they were just be another special counsel waiting in the wings to investigate the firing of this special counsel it could just lead to a uh, to a head style headache uh, for trump and this administration which is already up to its up to its eyeballs when it comes to uh, scandals and uh, whether they be true or not true. I'm sure that's a mix of some some uh, you know a lot of rumor, but then we also have uh, a lot of real things happening uh, as well. So eight seven seven three six seven two five two six. That's eight seven seven three six seven two five two six. Give me a ring. I want to hear your thoughts on uh, this entire situation. What's going on with Donald Trump? Let's play some more sound here regarding collusion. Okay, so obviously, you know, again, we've all heard of the Trump Tower meeting. I know. Okay, we got it. Some of the uh, we find out the lawyer there that kind of set the whole thing up much closer to the Kremlin, perhaps than previously thought. Although we all know. If you're an oligarch, if you're a lawyer, everyone is related to Putin. He is he is the puppet master. I mean, he is he is uh, Freddy Krueger in um, Dream Warriors. Uh, he's got these people up on strings, and whenever he wants to use his claw and cut the rope, he does. And of course, they fall to their death, or in many cases, are poisoned to their death, or randomly shot. By the way, if you want to just really have a better understanding to the extent of reach that Putin has, Icarus, great documentary, Icarus, highly recommend it, about the winter, uh, about the uh, the Olympic Games there where all of the Russians were doping, 
which is why in this past Olympic Games uh, in South Korea, I think there were, what were they called? Athletes representing the, the nation of Russia, something like that. They couldn't be like Russian because they were all doping. Everyone there was with the KGB uh, or former uh, KGB. So Putin, I mean, my goodness gracious, it cannot be stressed enough how I don't even I, I don't know when the man sleeps. I'm going to assume never. I'm going to assume the man just does not rest because of the amount of control uh, that he has over the nation. So this is Robert Barnes. He's talking about how he doesn't see any evidence of collusion. And to this point, other than, again, Donald Trump sitting down with Mueller, it, I think we would have known. How long has this thing been going? A year and a half now? If there was a direct tie to Trump, I, I, would, I would assume that we have heard it already. And with all the real things happening out there, uh, this has been really beaten to death, to say the least. This is Robert Barnes. Uh, he was on Fox News, and uh, this is what he had to say. He's a constitutional attorney. This is what he had to say as far as the evidence or lack thereof of collusion. The reality is there's no evidence of collusion by the nature of the questions which don't point to any evidence even relating to the campaign. Independent mm -hmm. of that, there are serious constitutional questions with any grand jury subpoena. The Ken Starr subpoena was withdrawn, and so it didn't end up getting fully contested and go up through the court system. And this, there are serious, both scholars on the left and the right agree there are serious constitutional problems and questions about mm -hmm. any use of criminal process against the President of the United States, we particularly from a rogue prosecutor like Mueller. All right, so let's go through some of these questions. Again, uh, there's over 50 of them. I think a lot of folks are just looking at maybe five or six, perhaps of some uh, maybe more of the salacious ones. But, for example, this is what I'm saying when these questions are really tricky. What was the purpose of the January 27th dinner meeting you had with Comey? If you're Donald Trump, how do you answer that? If uh, the purpose, according to Comey, was to pledge allegiance to Donald Trump, pledge loyalty to Donald Trump. And in some ways, again, Comey speaking out of both sides of his mouth here. I don't really like a lot of these people in Washington. Can you believe that? 877-367-2526 said that he, he pledged to be honest, honest loyalty was the term that he, like, compromised on. And Trump said, okay, that's good enough. So if you're Donald Trump, you could ask that question, what was the purpose? Comey thought he was going to be around a bunch of other people. It turns out it was dinner for two, which has got to be extremely awkward. Just dinner with another person that's pretty much a stranger. It's got to be so trippy, especially if it's this world that we live in now. The president of the United States calls you to his office for a dinner or uh, wherever the heck they met at their meeting, the White House. So how would he answer that question? He's got to tell the truth. So we have James Comey saying, well, he, he wanted me to pledge loyalty. And if Donald Trump says I wanted him to pledge loyalty, what does that mean? Now, we, now he's intertwining uh, the, the branches. This is Harry Lippman. Which is, again, why I do not think if you're Donald Trump, do something out of the uh, out of the ordinary and keep that mouth of yours shut. Harry Lippman, he was on Fox News. He says, we don't know there's no evidence of collusion just yet. This dude is a former U.S. attorney, 877-367-2526. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Do you think there's any evidence of collusion? Do you think there will be any evidence of collusion? And if not, 
how much money has the American people wasted and how much time has uh, this entire thing wasted? All we got right now is Paul Manafort, right? I tend to think it's uh, that, that the Trump team will have some more uh, arguments uh, mm -hmm. than, than others. I, I want to say quickly, Roberts has sounded this refrain again, no evidence, no evidence of collusion. And that just strikes me as very puzzling mm -hmm. because we know that Mueller, by his charge, has not come forward with his case yet. We have much reason to believe he's gathered all kinds of evidence, has secured many convictions. So that's it. Yes, we don't know yet. Mueller is kind of channeling his... Uh, Inner Joseph McCarthy here. He's got his briefcase, but we can't, we don't know what's in it. We're not allowed to know what's in it. It could be nothing like what was in McCarthy's briefcase, just a bunch of vodka and some adult magazines, or it could be the thing that takes down the presidency. That's why, just for the sanity of our nation, it would be nice if they could just get this thing on, get this thing done so we know what we're dealing with. And of course, again, you know, Trump, it, it is, it's frustrating because we got Nikki Haley over there. I think she's doing a fine job with the UN. I think Nikki Haley, I disagree with her on uh, some political things to say the least, but as far as how she's representing us to the UN, I think she's doing a fairly good job. She's talking about after the Syrian chemical attack, oh, we're going to have sanctions on the companies that basically facilitated those weapons that were able, that were uh, crucial to creating those chemical weapons. She says this on Monday, then all of a sudden on Tuesday, we got Pence out there, we got other folks out there saying she misspoke, she was confused, she said I wasn't confused, then Trump just does nothing. So there's just so much confusion out there, and that's why people are wondering, why doesn't Trump treat Putin as bad as he tweeted, again, that comedian Michelle Wolf, who's a friend of mine. Here's Byron York, he's talking about how there's not a lot new in these questions, of course, the only new thing would be if Donald Trump went under oath and sat down and answered them. This is Byron York. He was on Tucker Carlson's show. There's not a whole lot new in these questions. When you look at some of the areas, Michael Flynn, Comey, Sessions, and, and collusion, uh, it doesn't indicate that, that Mueller has come up with some completely new area of inquiry that we didn't know about before. Uh, actually, there is this is pretty much what we have been talking about for the last year or so. So fr from that point, it seems to me that the, that the Trump uh, people should be somewhat relieved. And Britt Hume also on Tucker's show. By the way, Britt Hume, he's got a great voice. I love the voice of Britt Hume. It's a fun name, too, Hume. Uh, this is him uh, basically agreeing with what Mr. York just said. I think there are two ways to look at it, Tucker. One is sort of, can you believe that these are the questions and, and don't they trespass on the president's obvious uh, rights and duties as president? And the other question is, I would have, agreeing with with uh, Byron York is, is that all there is? Remember right. now, we've been told by so many for so long that we don't know what we don't know, mm -hmm. uh, which is sort of obvious if you think about it, but, but that, that Mueller may have things we haven't heard about. Yes. He may have uncovered things we've never heard about. Nothing in these questions relates to anything we haven't yet heard about. Let's go to the Facebook comment section again. Watch the show streaming live on Facebook. Pamela Henry Owen, uh, she says, Manafort wasn't about the Russian collusion. It was about money issues prior to the election, so no collusion with anyone. Uh, this is um, partially true, but of course, uh, Manafort, uh, all of that stuff came out because of the Russian collusion situation here, the Russian collusion investigation. There are a lot of collateral players 
who are falling as a collateral damage, look no further again at Michael Cohn. For some reason, uh, 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 Mueller saw something, and it was like, he's like, this has nothing to do with Russia. Maybe the Stormy Daniels thing. Um, but it's enough to alert the FBI and have him go raid the personal lawyer of Donald Trump's office, home, and hotel. I mean, wow, significant to say the least. So it it's it all ties together. That's the problem or one of the issues with a special counsel like this. It's so huge. It affects so much more than just this idea that the Russians are somehow behind the victory. Of Donald Trump. And of course, we know all the Facebook stuff and things like that. Uh, let's do, um, let's go to breakdown. We'll come back and we'll wrap this up. I'm Ben Kissel. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up, everybody? How you doing? Ben Kissel back here with you. All right. We'll wrap this hour up. We'll continue on with this conversation about the, uh, the Russia probe, the investigation by Mueller. Should Trump sit down with him? Should Trump not sit down with him? Anyone close to Donald Trump has said, hey, uh, probably not the best idea, my man. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was watching, um, there was a clip of a, uh, a female attorney for Donald Trump saying that if he said that he would, if he did agree to meet with Mueller, she would wait on the door, in the door frame, and he would have to kill her and literally walk over her dead body in order to go and testify or uh, speak under oath to the special counsel. That's how serious... The team for Donald Trump is taking this, and I understand why. Again, going through some of these questions, it's just impossible. They they want to if they want to get him, and they do. They can get him. That's they got a lot of power there. This is uh, a former FBI agent, uh, Asha Rangappa. I believe it's Rangappa or Rangappa. Rangappa. I apologize. I'm horrible with last name. I would be the worst teacher on the face of the planet. And I would have panic attacks just thinking about all the students' last names. This is her talking. I believe it's a woman uh, discussing on the basis for Mueller wanting to subpoena Donald Trump. Their basis for doing that is that he has evidence, potential evidence of in this criminal investigation that they cannot get in, through any other means. Um, we know that Kenneth Starr served President Bill Clinton with a subpoena. Now, he then complied with it. So we haven't mm. yet seen what happens if a president decides not to comply. All right. So that's why a lot of people think, uh, you know, some kind of constitutional crisis. What's going to go down if Donald Trump says no or whatever, uh, you know, after a subpoena here? Let's play this other dude, Ken Cuccinelli. Ken Cuccinelli. He's on CNN. He's talking about Trump's legal team, the options they have to fight to fight a Mueller subpoena. The Trump legal team would attempt to go to court. They'd make the motion to quash the subpoena, but what they'd really be making an effort to do is limit it, whether it's time limited, which is a big issue when you've got this sort of extensive material, uh, or subject matter limited in front of a judge. But ultimately, they're gonna, he, their client would end up sitting down and, and facing the questions. Then you get to the Fifth Amendment question. I'm going to do something rare. I'm going to close it out with Chris Saliza uh, from CNN. I think he nails this one. I think he's kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. Uh, and, and I don't think there are any good solutions. And what usually happens when Trump finds himself cornered like this, he lashes out even more. So I would stay tuned for more of that. Yo, what's up, everybody? How you doing? Ben Kissel back here with you. Let's switch gears. 
Let's start talking Kanye. Why not? If you get a chance, uh, I don't think it's out yet. My new podcast, Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, on the podcast network I own, The Last Podcast Network, will be out here very shortly. Be sure you check out this week. I got Lawrence Jones on. He's an African-American conservative. Uh, and we talk about this whole Kanye I'm going to call it a fiasco, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, He is uh, really going all in with Donald Trump, and he said some things that have um, angered some people, confused some folks, and, of course, uh, some people uh, are happy with him. uh, You know, it's tough to say. Uh, You know, he's kind of referencing how he's referenced how Abraham Lincoln was a Republican and freed the slaves and stuff like that, but then there was a big shift in the country when it came to the parties. Uh, However... Uh, as I talked about with uh, with Lawrence, the Democratic Party has taken full advantage of the African-American vote for an extremely long time. And if you look at, you know, Hillary Clinton, uh, again, not to relitigate 2016, um, but going on The Breakfast Club with my boy Charlemagne the God, who, by the way, fully believes in ghosts and cryptids. He's a, he's a fascinating guy. Um, she's on The Breakfast Club. Uh, a predominantly African-American show listened to by uh, predominantly African-Americans. Uh, and she brings hot sauce in her purse. And she's like, look, I brought hot sauce. This I'm so connected. It was They call the African-American vote low-informed, uh, low-information voters. And that's why in 2016 we saw such a decline in the African-American vote. And a lot of people, as I was talking about with Lawrence, he was telling me, uh, you know, behind closed doors, uh, a lot of individuals— a lot of African Americans were not happy with uh, Barack Obama. They, they they thought he should have done more to benefit uh, the African American businesses and uh, and things like that, and really try to improve quality of life. You don't really hear that too much, but that allowed for Donald Trump. I mean, and take this with a huge grain of salt. He got nine percent of the black vote. Um. But by Republican standards, that's pretty good. But even more significant than that, it wasn't how much of the African-American vote Donald Trump got. It was how few the Democratic Party got. Almost cut in half. Because, of course, we have uh, Hillary there on top of the ticket. We got Tim Kaine, who was, you know, whatever, just about as a, a corporate stooge as they come. And we have a situation where people, BLM, Black Lives Matter, uh, is, is really starting to blossom, come into its own. Bernie Sanders getting a lot of support from that group of individuals. And we have the situation where Bill Clinton, when president, had more people incarcerated under his reign, under his eight-year reign, than any president in history, the vast majority of those people African-American. That left a huge opening for someone like Donald Trump, again, to run on a campaign. His African-American outreach in 2016 was literally, what do you have to lose? That's it. So that was an indictment on the Democratic Party. That brought the vote, the, and the Democratic Party running somebody who is so divisive and so not on the right side of history when it comes to criminal justice reform, super predators, the list goes on, brings down the black vote, 9% ended up going for Donald Trump again. <laughs> I understand that's not even double digits. It's not a huge number. Let's not go crazy here. But by that perspective, it was. So now we have a situation, by the by the fact that it's a Republican, it was fairly high once again. So now we have Kanye West, who is out here proclaiming he loves Donald Trump. And as I've said again, as I said on last week's episode, 
Uh, I was on Kennedy. The first time I was ever on Kennedy, I talked about how uh, Donald Trump is a hip-hop-style candidate. He's very wealthy. He's a little sexist, a little misogynistic, flaunts his wealth. He is the—he's got a clothing line. He is kind of what some people—when some people think of a billionaire, I wish they would focus more on a Bill Gates type who at least gives to charity. But nonetheless, Donald Trump, he is the face of— to many people, of what it means to be wealthy. Gold toilet. I mean, he's mentioned, by the way, a lot. Uh, Mac Miller, as we talked about, has a song, Donald Trump, uh, that, that did very well. Uh, the vast majority of times Donald Trump is referenced in music. I talked about this on last week's show as well. 19% of times Donald Trump is referenced in music, it's negative. 60% of times he's referenced, it's positive. So despite all the negative news that Donald Trump does get hit with, and he does, some right, some not, uh, when it comes to uh, a lot of music, he is seen as sort of a King Midas type. So now it brings us to Kanye West. 877-367-2526. That's 877-367-2526. Kanye West, apparently he's going to be doing an interview with Alex Jones. So perhaps his next track will be all about how Sandy Hook was a hoax. Who knows? It wasn't, by the way. I can't believe I have to say that. Um, he's going all in. Thomas Sowell is retweeting um, conservative African-American thinkers. And now we have a situation where he absolutely loves uh, Donald Trump. So let's just play some sound here. This is Donald. Uh, this is Kanye West expressing just that sentiment. It was a feeling I had, you know, like people were taught how to think, we're taught how to feel. We don't know how to think for ourselves. We don't know how to feel for ourselves. People say feel free, but they don't really want us to feel free. And uh, I felt a freedom in, first of all, just doing something that everybody tells you not to do. I just love Trump. That's my boy. There's Kanye West. He was on TMZ. I don't know if he had a chance to see this on TMZ. It was, you know... Uh, it's an interesting world we live in. It was basically Kanye West fighting with an office. And he was talking about, uh, you know, this is sort of where he brings up kind of the, some of the slavery stuff. Uh, talks about the mob. One individual on TMZ uh, says he's hurt by what Kanye West was saying. This is, how, this is what he had to say, and then we'll play some more uh, of Kanye. You're entitled to your opinion. You're entitled to believe whatever you want. But there is fact and real-world, real-life consequence behind everything that you just said. We have to deal with the marginalization that has come from the 400 mm -hmm. years of slavery that you said for our people was a choice. Frankly, I'm disappointed, I'm appalled, and brother, I am unbelievably hurt by the fact that you have morphed into something, to me, that's not real. Bro, I'm sorry you I gotta, hurt you. You got to be responsible, no, I'm sorry I nah, hurt you, man, bro. Bro, your voice is too big. 877-367-2526. That's 877-367-2526. Do you think, let's put this in perspective of, let's just talk about record sales. He's got an album coming out, Kanye, that is. Do you think this helps his record sales? There is a lot of people in the Midwest. That's a big, they're, a, they're the consumers of the country. Or does it hurt? What do you think? 877-367-2526. I want to hear your thoughts on this because culturally, it's a fascinating turn of events.
I'm going to play this clip of Kanye West saying slavery uh, is a choice. And this is very controversial, to say the least. Um, and I don't know, and I, obviously I, I can't speak for the man, nor would he want me to. I, I think he's trying to say it's a mental slavery. But, of course, uh, it's also a very physical slavery as well. Uh, all right, here's Kanye. When you hear about slavery for 400 years, for 400 years, that sounds like a choice. <laughs> like, you was there for 400 years and it's all of y'all? You know, like, it's like we're, we're mentally in prison. I like the word prison because slavery uh-huh. goes di- too, too direct to the uh, idea of blacks. Prison is something that unites us as one race, blacks and whites being one race. Uh, that we're one, we're, we're the human race. So it's interesting, uh, and I think, you know, and I do want to say this. I think it's good we have these conversations, by the way. And if Kanye, if I disagree with the slavery as a choice thing, I mean, I, I just, I, I think he's missed, I think he misspoke there. I, I really do. But I think it's good to have these conversations because there are, you know, we talk about the forgotten man. In American politics, the one group that is forgotten the most is blacks. The one group that's forgotten the most is the African-American community. And again, that's why we have what's going on right now with Kanye West. Let's go to Houston, Texas. Love Houston, Texas. Uh, Let's go to Eric. Eric's on the phone. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing fine. It's great to be on your show. Um, I am a black American, and I've uh, been conservative for a long, long time. The the problem that I see, and 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 Charles Barkley was right, Democrats have taken the black vote for granted too Mm -hmm. long. I've was in a Democratic household growing up and everything. And I had uh, my uncle and aunt who were staunch conservatives voted for Reagan. And uh, it kind of opened my eyes to say, you know, that there are some options out there. And the thing is, you really have to listen to the candidate versus the party. Yeah. And too many, too many times, like, where I'm in a predominantly uh, black area of Houston, and you can't wear a Trump shirt around here because they'll go, they'll go crazy. But it, it's the hood. It's the, uh, it's the hood, and it's the, the mentality of ghettoization. It comes along with it, and you have to uh, think and lockstep with these people. And if you don't, then you know you're you're bad. Your Uncle Tom or whatever they want to call you. Well, Eric, so yeah, I'm interested uh, just in the perspective because I, you know I, this is what I asked Lawrence uh, Jones as well today in my podcast. What is the Republican? I understand the Democratic Party has been. Ta- I I completely agree with that. Uh, they've taken advantage of the African American vote for decades now. But what has the Republican Party done? That's that's helped uh, the African American community. Well, not you know, not much until Trump came along and, and kind of addressed it and said, "What have you got to lose?" And have you been have you been happy with with Trump so far? I mean, I hate to go back here, but Charlottesville Nazis, yeah. anti Nazis, equating them, saying good people on both sides. Uh, he he refused to really distance himself from David Duke. I mean, what does that say to you? Or is that just something that you can overlook? It doesn't buy my groceries. Jobs buy my groceries. Jobs are very important. A good economy is very important because at least I'll have options. I'll, I'll have three job offers versus one job offer in the business center man. So mm-hmm. you know, which is trucking. And since then, when, when freight was slow, uh, when we had the recession, things were bad. You know, I it was it was tough getting a decent trucking job. And now you know I've, I get emails all the time, people trying to hire me. Interesting. So yeah, it, it, it increases the options, and with options, it increases my market value. And increases the salary, everything else. So yeah, Trump's been good for the economy, and I don't care about the, the other noise that's out there. The bottom line is the dollar, and anybody will tell you that, you know. Uh, so uh, I, I hope that I, there, there's a lot of Black Americans that support Trump. They're not going to say it. They're, they they're going to vote in secret, 
but there's more more of us out there than you think. Believe it or not. Thank you. And only the loudmouth ones get the uh, get the. Uh, attention thank you very much thank you eric i i appreciate uh the perspective and of course uh diamond and silk they were out there it's kind of on the front lines of this facebook controversy uh regarding the question does facebook silence certain political opinions uh, we're actually we have a little story here coming up uh maybe a little bit later on in this hour regarding facebook they're going to rate the truthfulness of news sites i don't know if facebook is the people that should be deciding that but we will have that conversation. 877-367-2526. Give me a call. I want to hear from uh, African-American supporters of Kanye and, and people who might feel betrayed. If you're out there, please uh, give me a ring. Uh, let's play one more clip before we go to break, and then we'll finish this uh, conversation up afterwards. This is Kanye West. He's talking about how the mob tries to get uh, African-Americans to be Democrats, similar uh, to what Eric was discussing there out of Houston, Texas. This is Kanye. We'll just take this right to break. It's the mob. The mob tries to tell you what to think. The mob tries to make all blacks be Democrats for, for you know, food stamps and stuff. I've never been into politics. The liberals and the echo chamber and all that is having the most sore loss of all time. Like that we're going to just keep putting out. It's like torture porn. We're going to keep showing you negative, 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 negative. Hey, what's up, everyone? How are you? Ben Kissel here with you. Give me a ring, 877-367-2526. 877-367-2526. We're talking about Kanye West. He's uh, into politics now. And evidently, he's falling down on the right side of the aisle when it comes to his political Leanings. Also, speaking of uh, superstars and politics, WWE wrestler wins GOP primary in Tennessee. I don't care if uh, he's a member of a party that I that I align with or not. You gotta vote for Kane in Knoxville County, Tennessee. He won his primary by 17 votes, and uh, so who knows? It's possible he's going to be the next mayor there. I don't. No party affiliation. You're just voting for Kane. I mean. <laughs> He's the other Undertaker's little brother. You gotta vote for him. Who doesn't want a mayor literally from hell? Okay, let's continue on with Kanye West. He is talking about here why he's inspired by Donald Trump. What policies inspire him that Donald Trump has put forward? But it's not about the policies. He seems to be more interested in just the theme, the the broad stroke of no one thought this dude could do it, and he did it. And I understand that. Everyone loves an underdog story. Everybody. It's strange to think that a person who was born to a multi-multi-multi-millionaire family and is a billionaire was an underdog, but that was the case to some degree in 2016. So this is Kanye West commenting on what inspires him about Donald Trump. And again, I want to hear your thoughts. 877-367-2526. Give me a ring. Let's talk about this. Half the Trump does, I don't agree with. What half do you agree with? I was like, I just, let's, let's, get that, let's get that out. Just the ability to do what no one said you could do, to do the impossible, is the most inspiring thing to me. All right. I would say Another thing that has been impossible is a female president. <laughs> but nonetheless, I, I see the thread. I, I get the thread of where he's coming from 
when you do see someone who is predicted to get just slammed uh, in the election, uh, they pull it off. I mean, in, in an amazing upset. Doug Flutie, Boston College, you know, the, um, the miracle Hail Mary. Let's close out here with Will I Am. He's on Good Morning Britain, and this is what he had to say about Kanye West's comments. That broke my heart because I thought about my grandma, who was born in 1920, and her connection with her mom, who raised her, who was born in the late 1800s, and my grandmother's grandma, who was a slave. And when you're a slave, you're owned. You don't choose if you're owned. When you're a slave, you're deprived of education. That's not choice. That's by force. So that statement was one of the most ignorant statements that anybody that came from the hood could ever say about their ancestors, that slavery is a choice. What are you talking about? Hey, what's up, everyone? How are you? Ben Kissel back here with you. Fox News Talk. Give me a ring, 877-367-2526. That's 877-367-2526. We're talking about Kanye West, his recent uh, love. Eh, Perhaps it's not so recent. I mean, let's not forget Kanye went to Donald Trump's uh, to meet with Donald Trump at Trump Tower previously. Uh, he has basically been supporting him since day one, ever since uh, June of 15, when he rolled down the escalator. Uh, Kanye has been a fan. So let's play this clip one more time, time of Donald or Kanye West just expressing how much he loves Donald Trump. And then I want to hear your uh, your thoughts on all of this. 877-367-2526. Do you think it's possible that the Republican Party can really make some inroads with the African-American community? I haven't heard too many people. Uh, well, Eric out of Houston, Texas, talking about jobs and how significant jobs are, and those no no race. I get that. The only uh, color that uh, matters is green, and that, of course, is the color of money. Um, can they actually do well? Can they get into double digits? Is that possible with someone like a Kanye West coming out and uh, and supporting openly somebody as controversial as Donald Trump, again, specifically just in the context of this administration, Donald Trump never distanced himself or did not distance himself clearly from somebody like David Duke, right? Uh, and a lot of people thought, well, that is definitive proof that he is courting uh, a more toxic base in the Republican Party. You're more of a racist base, that alt-right, what has kind of become the Richard Spencer alt-right base. And now we have a situation where Kanye West, coming out of Chicago, extremely powerful voice, extremely significant character, has worked with the greatest uh, hip-hop stars that have uh, lived in our lifetime. I mean, he is really on top of that community. And now he has come out and said uh, he loves Donald Trump, which makes this whole thing even more fascinating. And again, you know, we talk about the 9% that went in uh, and voted for Donald Trump, the African-American vote for Donald Trump. But even more than that, I think it was the low voter turnout for the Democratic Party as well. So they said, I'm not going to vote for Trump, but I'm not going to vote for Hillary. I'm staying home. That, in some ways, is a vote for Trump. Are you surprised? Or do you think there's going to be more 
African-American voices coming out. Because it is true, uh, you know, the African-American vote, they're not a monolithic community. They're just as diverse as any other community. And they should uh, be represented in Washington. And they're not. Not by either side. So when we live in a binary system, one side, the Democratic side, has been courting them for decades. And... Some uh, African-Americans say, you haven't done anything for me. I'm going to the other side. But then, of course, the question is, what have they done for you as well? I mean, my nature is to be a little contrarian as well. That's why I love coming on Fox News so much. If I was on MSNBC, I would just go absolutely crazy because everyone is just in agreement with everyone. I like people, you know, my friend Jessica Tarlov. It's so much more fun when you're talking to people that might not agree with you because then it's you you got a reason to talk as opposed to just preaching to the proverbial choir, which is boring and, quite frankly, doesn't get me excited whatsoever. So I get Kanye West's desire to shake it up and to be a contrarian and to say, you know what? You don't get my vote, Democratic Party. I get that. But the question is, uh, when he goes as far to say something like slavery is a choice, that is damaging. To a lot of young people, middle-aged people, and heck, even old people, who may have looked up to him. Tanisha Ford, uh, she was on CBS, and this is what she had to say. She's an associate professor of Black American Studies and History at the University of Delaware. And you know for a fact, as I mentioned on... uh, What was I on? I was on HLN here talking uh, this past Monday about education. And you imagine this will be a sociological study, the Kanye West sociological study. There's actually a uh, a course. Oh, what school was it? I'm forgetting what school it was, but it was the sociology of Miley Cyrus. (laughs) These schools, a private school goes for 30K a semester. A public goes for about 10K a semester. And the classes are, I, I love Miley. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think we need to be wasting our money on a sociology of Miley Cyrus class. But I guarantee you there is going to be a sociology class on Kanye West if there isn't one already. This is what Tanisha Ford had to say regarding Kanye West's um, slavery comments. Those comments show how completely out of touch Kanye is at this moment in time. And it's a far cry from the Kanye West we knew with when he made the song Crack Music, which made a link between slavery and the prison industrial complex and the rise of crack cocaine use in the black community. That Kanye seemed to be so well informed, so grounded and in touch with a culture Mm -hmm. and the people who live through that culture. But this Kanye seems erratic And, you know, his comments are, are again, out of touch. They're off base and they speak to no real historical precedent. The sociology of Miley Cyrus, if you did want to take that class, that's at Skidmore University, Skidmore University. If you want to go pay 15 grand a semester to uh, to um, watch Miley Cyrus videos or you could just watch them on YouTube and uh, create your own thoughts on it. Let's go to Longview. Randy is on the phone. Randy, thanks so much for calling in, man. Uh, So what do you think about me? Absolutely. So uh, what are your thoughts on this uh, Kanye West situation? Uh, It's definitely been a conversation starter. I, I don't think that Kanye, in fact, I know he doesn't mean that actual slavery when African-Americans were forced against their will <clears throat> to work for predominantly white, rich men. I, I don't think he's including that, saying that, that it's a choice. I think he's talking about that ever since, I guess you could say, the civil rights era, when, when blacks 
started truly getting the same rights as white uh, as white Americans that they they still haven't got out of the the ideology that they have to lean on other people in order to be in order to live. You know, during slavery, they had to lean on slave owners to to eat, and and they and that was no other choice. But even today, you know, whether it's with welfare or um, I, I saw one young lady make a, uh, an exceptional point. She said that in slavery, you had these white slave owners rip kids from their parents, mm. you know, and that wasn't their choice. And she says, but now, predominantly in the African-American community, you have fathers just giving up their parenting. So it's, it's the same stuff going on, but it's not because you're being forced to. It's because you're allowing it to happen. Well, and and you're not willing I, to step I, I, up. I do agree People need to have personal responsibility to take care of their kids. The other argument and conversation is when we talk about people being ripped apart uh, is when it comes to the over-incarceration rates of African-Americans. Again, both sides complicit. You go back and watch the 90, uh, what was it, 93, the State of the Union, Clinton's first State of the Union. It sounds extremely conservative by today's uh, standards when it comes to criminal justice. So there is that component as well, right? Uh, yes, I do agree, and, and it's crazy that you say Clinton's first election uh, sounds extremely conservative. I was actually born in 92, but I studied a lot on that election, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, even his campaign slogan was extremely similar to Donald Trump's of Make America Great Again. So, Well, Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan was the Make America Great Again, and Trump just took it, and uh, no one seemed to really mind. Um, but yes, I, I see what you're saying, Randy. Appreciate the call, brother. Thank you uh, for your thoughts. 877-367-2526. And I do understand, uh, just a little context here, slavery, it started in America, 1619. It was the Dutch that brought over uh, around 20 slaves. Uh, and then, of course, throughout, um, it's very difficult to actually find the real figures here because they didn't count uh, how many slaves uh, were actually there. And, of course, they did all these different mathematical formulations to figure out um, how much of a human being they are. Of course, we've got the three-fifths compromise, which really did help out the uh, the South quite a bit, actually, when it comes to voting. Um, they say it's an estimated six to seven million Black slaves were imported to this country in the 18th century alone. So we're talking millions and millions and millions of people. And I do understand from the perspective of if you just and this is why it's kind of scary that uh, it's not just an African-American phenomenon. It's also just permeating through all cultures. Uh, the idea of the government guaranteeing you a job. Forty five percent of Americans now say the government should guarantee you a job. Uh, and around 45% also now agree with a universal basic income. There, you never get anything for free. There's always a string attached. And once you start taking money from the government, uh, the government is allowed to tell you what to do with that money, uh, tell, uh, tell you how to live, and uh, and also uh, can uh, start allocating uh, certain goods to certain people based on an arbitrary government uh you know decided um whatever algorithm they use whatever whatever um whatever they want to use to figure out whose life is worth what when and uh, so you have to be very careful when you start solely relying on the government you give them a lot of power and just like when you couldn't you know smoke a cigarette because you were living at home uh, the government will do the exact same thing. They'll be uh, mother and father uh, to you, and they will tell you how to live, and nobody uh, wants that to happen. So I understand that perspective 100%. I don't believe that Kanye 
if he wants to express that, he should express that. Uh, and perhaps he says he's new to politics. Maybe he'll find more nuanced ways uh, to have this conversation. But let's go back to Tanisha Ford. She is talking about how Kanye is really a letdown for a generation of his fans. But what do you think about that? 877-367-2526. Let's play this clip and we'll just take this to break and let's get your calls at, uh, after the break. I mean, I think for a particular generation of folks who grew up with Kanye and, and see him as a voice of the people, uh, uh, an activist of sorts, someone who's used his music to speak to the disparities within the black community, um, this is a, a big letdown. But I'm, I'm grateful for people like John Legend, who's always the voice of reason, who tried to step in and tell Kanye that, hey, you have viewers who look up to you and who expect you to be on the right side of justice, and you've really missed the mark here. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel back here with you. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about uh, Mike Pompeo. He is the Secretary of State now. The vote was 57 to 42 with uh, five Democrats and one independent, that being Angus King, uh, voting in favor of Mike Pompeo to be the Secretary of State. Of course, Angus King tends to caucus with the Democrats, so for all intents and purposes, uh, there's a little D by his name. Nonetheless, he is officially uh, an independent. One of the questions that I was actually talking about this past weekend on Saturday um, on America's News headquarters was, will this hurt the Democrats who supported him? Uh, Claire McCaskill's up for re-election. We got Joe Manchin up for re-election in Virgi West Virginia. And then, of course, we got a Heidi Heidkamp there out of North Dakota. All states, they're, they're from states that went heavily uh, to Donald Trump. I don't think this will hurt them negatively. As we've seen, moderate Democrats can win, whether it be Doug Jones, someone who also supported uh, Mike Pompeo in Alabama, or Connor Lamb in Pennsylvania, the congressional 18th district that's about to dissolve. Uh, moderate Democrats can win. So I don't think that this is going to hurt them. Uh, Joe Manchin has roughly 35% support by Republicans in West Virginia. So he's a Democrat with 35% of support from Republicans. That's pretty high. And of course, uh, Manchin, extremely moderate and um, supports some of Donald Trump's agenda when he believes it'll benefit uh, the folks of his state. And let's not forget, West Virginia went for Trump by 40 percentage points. I mean, talk about that's about as big of a uh, lashing as one could possibly get. Again, um, that's probably due to the fact that Hillary Clinton let all the coal miners know she was going to put them out of business. Uh, just politically speaking, not the greatest idea to tell possible constituents that you're going to take them away from their job. Nonetheless, uh, I do think it's important that we do have clean energy and things like that as well. But uh, again, politically, probably not the best decision. So here we have Mike Pompeo. Uh, he is addressing uh, the State Department employees. And, you know, he had a lot of momentum. We're going to switch. We're going to continue this Pompeo conversation and bring it sort of in the context of North Korea as well. And we're also going to talk about this idea of should Donald Trump win a Nobel Peace Prize, which I mean... The world is so crazy uh, that I am just I'm just strapped in. I'm just uh, channeling my inner Ralph Nader. I'm just buckling up my seatbelt and I am just along for the ride like I am at some uh, amusement park like Epcot Center or something like that. Um, he had a lot of momentum, Mike Pompeo did, going into this nomination process. Of course, 
with the meet down with Kim Jong-un over Easter. Now we have a situation where Kim Jong-un says, hey, I'm willing to discuss denuclearization, which is absolutely stunning. Uh, This whole ending of strategic patience, a flawed policy in my personal opinion, because it didn't do anything uh, to mend the divide between the West and the North Koreans. Um, And we have a situation where Pompeo already did more before being Secretary of State, and I disagree with a lot of his hawkish policies, by the way. I want to be clear about that. But he did do more before being Secretary of State than any other Secretary of State. So I, the writing was on the wall when it came to uh, Pompeo and he being uh, able to now be the Secretary of State, the newest Secretary of State. Uh, with uh, Donald Trump. Of course, who's going to be replacing him at the CIA? That, that's going to be a very controversial vote. Gina Haspel, uh, we'll see. I don't think her confirmation hearing is going to be nearly as simple as Pompeo's was. I don't think there's going to be as much bipartisan support given her past with uh, regarding torture. She's going to be a hot-button issue. I can promise you that. Pompeo, again, with his resume, difficult, difficult to um, go against. You know, obviously, things mostly broke down party lines. But again, the six, uh, five Democrats and one independent uh, that did go for him, making the vote 57 to 42. Pretty simple, these, uh, by today's standards, to say the least. This is Mike Pompeo. He is addressing State Department employees. You chose to be a foreign service officer or a civil servant or to come work here in many other capacities and to, uh, to do so uh, because you're patriots and great Americans Uh-oh. and because you want to be an important part of America's face to the world. My mission will be to lead you and allow you to do that, the very thing you came here to do. I talked about getting back our swagger, and I'll fill in what I mean by that, but it's important. The United States diplomatic corps needs to be in every corner, every stretch of the world, executing missions on behalf of this country. And it is my humble, noble undertaking to help you achieve that. So I look forward. Now, he even has my understanding of this uh, next clip from Andrea Mitchell is she supports him uh, to some degree, I believe, if I'm understanding this correctly. We'll play it. Of course, Andrea Mitchell, MSNBC. Certainly not a Trump supporter by any stretch of the imagination, but she seems to think that there's a change in Pompeo. And again, uh, going back to Rand Paul, uh, someone who aligns himself quite often with the Freedom Caucus, not necessarily an official member, but might as well be. But um, Rand Paul saying, hey, I talked to Pompeo about Iraq. I talked to uh, to Pompeo about Afghanistan, and he has assured me that he thinks those two wars— or at the very least, Iraq was a mistake. Now, he didn't really have those thoughts when it mattered uh, in the lead up to those wars. But nonetheless, that's why Rand Paul decided to go ahead and support him. Andrea Mitchell here, uh, here she is talking about how there's a change in Mike Pompeo. Uh, I'm not a cheerleader, as you know, but I'm telling you that there is such a change with Mike Pompeo. Mm. This is a guy who might have come with some, uh, there might have been some concern about him from people who looked at his past. He was a, a Tea Party congressman from Kansas. He was really part of that Benghazi Inquisition. But in fact, he comes in with such uh, goodwill over there. He called them patriots. He has proved 
but on his first couple of days, he just he got sworn in, uh, not ceremoniously, just the quick swearing in, and right after the confirmation, got on a plane, went to NATO, and then went to the Middle East, and that was really important. Uh, Rex Tillerson had never been to Israel as Secretary of State, other than accompanying the president to his summit, never a solo visit to Israel. Mike Pompeo is trying to take back Middle East diplomacy from, if you will, the White House, Jared Kushner and others who were not the professional diplomats, and trying to plant his flag there. Now, he mm -mm. made some, uh, arguably, some mistakes on that trip in not talking about Gaza, talking about the Palestinians and, and dealing with that issue, which this administration is not. But that first appearance at the State Department was mm. terribly important. So the question is now, does uh, Donald Trump have a, a real ally and can Pompeo, Mike Pompeo, be an asset to the Trump administration by the hyper-partisanship of our country right now? This is about as much praise as somebody can get, as a Donald Trump appointee can get from left-leaning individuals. And they do seem to be a little bit more optimistic when it comes to um, when it comes to Pompeo, and certainly for Donald Trump, who is kind of, you know, he doesn't really know who to trust in the White House. He doesn't know who his allies are. He doesn't know who his friends are. There's a lot of controversy going on right now with the White House chief of staff. Uh, there is some stories out there where John Kelly calls uh, Donald Trump an idiot. But you know what? To be honest, he probably did. And let's be honest with ourselves. Who hasn't called their boss an idiot at some point? I mean, that's just human nature. Not the biggest deal. We've all said it about all of our employers. We don't like they're always an idiot sometimes. Um but who can he trust? Let's play this clip of Brett Hume. He's on Tucker Carlson. Speaking of people around Donald Trump, uh, he's talking about how some of the stories planted by General— he thinks some of these stories about General John Kelly have been planted by John Kelly's enemies, but nonetheless they are still sticking, and it does lead to more confusion for Donald Trump. It seems like Pompeo could be a real asset when it comes to— a trustworthy voice in the ear of the president. Um, but again, as we've seen in this White House, it's really a it's a rotating door of individuals. So we'll see how long it lasts. But this, let's play this clip here of Brit Hume talking about John Kelly. Well, they have to me at least the earmarks of stories planted by his enemies, because if you're trying to if you're trying to bring down Kelly, right, how would you do that? You would make Trump <clears throat> furious with him. And yes. so you, you put the word out that, that he has, from time to time, referred to Trump as an idiot. I can kind of understand how a disciplined, military-minded uh, organization man like uh, John Kelly, dealing with uh, Trump, who is, you know, Trump is, Trump is a man-child. He, he, he does what he wants a lot of the time, sometimes to his own detriment. Um, he might infuriate you, and you might, under your breath, or maybe in a room full of intimate aides, say, oh, the guy's being an idiot about this, right? So you would leak that um, not to hurt Trump. You'd leak that to hurt Kelly, which right, is how it right. looks to me. All right. So, again, a lot of confusion. Who can Trump trust? Who can't Trump trust? Right now, the, uh, you know, the, the, the new gal at the dance is Mike Pompeo. And um, as most fresh new relationships, of course, he was former head of the CIA and things like that, but in the, not a... Um, a uh, not connected with Donald Trump in this capacity, in this really intimate capacity of now being Secretary of State, 
he seems to be one of the people that Donald Trump can rely on. So when we come back, I'm going to play a couple of clips here of Donald Trump talking about North Korea, talking about how he wants peace, and even discussing the idea of a Nobel Peace Prize. What do you think about that? Should Donald, If Donald Trump solves the North Korean crisis, and again, uh, you know, South Korea, President Moon, he's got a huge amount of uh, sway and a very significant voice in that region. And, of course, Xi Jinping, the lifelong leader of China, really important, significant diplomatic interactions with the North Koreans that have helped propel us where we are today. But Donald Trump is our president, and Pompeo has sat down with Kim Jong-un. Uh, Trump has said he's going to meet with him, so there are significant things, and we have to, regardless if we like Donald Trump or not, you got to give credit where credit is due. If you don't do that, if you fall down the April Ryans of the world, by the way, like no matter what Trump does they hate, then when he does something that is actually wrong and you say you don't like it, I can't even take you seriously because when he does something that such as – What's happening in North Korea, which is a good thing, because I think it could lead uh, to peace and it could lead to lives saved. Um, then, you know, I can't take your criticisms seriously. That's the problem that we're having right now. Everyone is so hyperpartisan and have their blinders up and refuse to acknowledge anything that's good. And if you don't acknowledge whenever someone does something good, then when you um, diss them when they do something bad, I, I just can't take it as seriously as uh, as you would like. So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Donald Trump, North Korea, this idea of a Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, give me a ring, 877-367-2526. That's 877-367-2526. I want to hear your thoughts. Let's just do the question. If Donald Trump solves the North Korea process, uh, along with Moon, along with Xi Jinping, does he deserve a Nobel Peace Prize? I'm Ben Kissel. We'll take a quick break and come right back. Hey, what's up, everyone? How are you? Ben Kissel back here with you. Okay. We are talking about the new Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo. He addressed the state. He just addressed uh, State Department employees. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of optimism. Even someone like Andrea Mitchell, a lot of MSNBC, is optimistic uh, for Mike Pompeo. So I will reserve judgment and hope for the best. We have a lot of positive things. Let's be fair here. Happening in North Korea, uh, North Korea has released three Americans that were being held in labor camps in a sign of good faith ahead of the summit between Trump and, of course, the Supreme Leader, Kim Jong-un. That just kind of broke today. Uh, so uh, the um, the people were Kim Dong-chil, Kim Sang-diuk, and Kim hak Sang, and I'm sure I butchered every single one of those, but they were released from detention centers in early April and have since been undergoing medical treatment and ideological education outside of uh, Pyongyang. They are still in North Korean custody. It does seem uh, as if they are going to... Uh, uh, be free because of what's going on now with the interactions from the West and uh, the North Koreans. So here is Donald Trump. He's talking about how he wants peace. I want to get peace. The main thing, we want to get peace. That was a big problem, and I think it's going to work out well. We'll see. We're setting up meetings right now, and I think it's probably going to be announced over the next couple of days, location and date. 
All right. And of course, it could be Sweden. It could, uh, you know, uh, be South Korea. Um, we don't know exactly where that meeting is going to take place, but it is going to be extremely historic. And again, I want to stress here, we are dealing, Kim Jong-un is not a good man. Uh, he is not honorable, like Donald Trump said. Just go to LiveLeak and Google Otto Warmbier father, and you can listen to his dad talk about what it was like when he came. Uh, he didn't, he never came home from South Korea. He was dead. I mean, he was he was technically breathing, but he was dead. And, and tortured. And of course, Kim Jong-un eradicating so many people uh, that he did not think uh, were going to go along with his agenda in North Korea. And I understand his grandfather, his dad, when it comes to the generational imprisonment, Kim Jong-un did not have anything to do with that. Kim Jong-un also educated in the West for 10 years. So he might have a little bit more of an open mind when it comes to uh, our culture, our lifestyle, um, and the way that we govern. So who knows? But again, as I mentioned on last week's show, he's got to be very careful not to open up the hermit kingdom too fast so then the people realize how bad they've had it for so long, and that could lead to another kind of mutiny. Here is Donald Trump talking about uh, the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, what a, uh, what a turn of events here, right? Nobel Peace Prize? Yes, sir. President Moon was very nice when he suggested it, but I thought it was very generous of uh, President Moon of South Korea to make that statement. And... Uh, I appreciate it, but the main thing is to get it done. I want to get it done. 877-367-2526. What do you think about what's going on now with Donald Trump, this administration, and the North Koreans? A lot of people uh, surprised. Here we have Condoleezza Rice. Of course, she was close with W. Bush. I completely disagree with her hawkish point of view in every sense of the word. But this is her talking on the Brian Kilmeade show. This time around, um, I think the table is set a little bit differently. Uh, first of all, because President Trump faced something that other American presidents really hadn't faced, which was a North Korean threat to the American homeland. Mm. He was much tougher about what we might do, including people really believed him when he said we might use military force on the Korean Peninsula. That got the attention of the Chinese, who I think have been tougher. All right, there we go. I am Ben Kissel. This is Fox News Talk. We'll take a quick break and come right back. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel back here with you. Hope you're having a fine Wednesday evening. Give me a ring, 877-367-2526. That's 877-367-2526. We're talking about uh, Mike Pompeo. We're talking about North Korea. And we're going to pivot a little bit and talk about Gina Haspel here in a second. But I wanted to finish up with Condoleezza Rice. She's talking here about Donald Trump. Uh, he, she's on the Brian Kilmeade show and discussing how his strategy towards the North Koreans, how it got China's attention. Let's play this sound. Basically, what the Trump administration said, and I think it worked, was your choice is no longer a nuclear North Korea or doing things that might be tough and collapse the regime. That's the way the Chinese had always thought about it. And frankly, they preferred a nuclear North Korea to collapsing the regime. He said, your choice is between doing what you have to do to stop this nuclear program or <clears throat> war on the peninsula. And that was a different calculation for the Chinese. And, of course, the Chinese, they don't want that to happen. They need the buffer there. Uh, basically, the North Koreans are their buffer from the West. South Korea might as well just be America uh, when it comes to uh, militarily speaking, uh, when it comes to interests in that region. So we have a situation now where Donald Trump is going to sit down with Kim Jong-un. We don't know exactly where yet. 
And there is a massive concern. This has to be done right. It has to be done in a practical, intelligent way. And we have to make sure that we have... Uh, we are steadfast in what our demands are. We can't have a situation where, uh, you know, oftentimes what happens in these is that there's already almost like uh, professional wrestling. There's already an outcome that's that's been decided, and the actual meeting between the two leaders is that professional wrestling theater, and they already kind of know what both are going to agree on. This doesn't necessarily seem to be the case just if we listen to Donald Trump when he talks about um, how he sees this meeting going with Kim Jong-un. So Condoleezza Rice gives some advice on negotiating with North Korea. And let's not forget, I mean, Condoleezza Rice uh, with W, they had strategic patience for the North Koreans as well. Her foreign policy, I, I, they're blunder after blunder after blunder, in my personal opinion, the Iraq war. Treasure and lives, far too much treasure, far too many lives lost, and what the heck do we get but ISIS, right? So here's Condoleezza Rice giving some advice uh, to Donald Trump. Take it or leave it. On the day that this came out, I thought, oh, my goodness, what are they doing? And then I thought, you know, nothing else has worked. Maybe you'd just better go <laughs> ahead and let the president sit down with him and see what happens. And as long as the president leaves the negotiating to people who understand the nuance yeah. of this, because Japan has interests here mm -hmm. that have to be accounted for. I would not be anxious about uh, anxious to move American forces off the Korean Peninsula because they are a source of stability to the whole region. But as long mm -hmm. as uh, the negotiations are well prepared, uh, this is a, this is a good chance to take. And again, President Moon, we cannot stress enough how significant he has been, and uh, as well, Xi Jinping. It takes much more than just one leader to deal with such a significant issue 70 years in the making regarding the Kim dynasty and the North Koreans. Okay, let's go to the phones. Let's head to my home borough. Chris is on the line from Brooklyn. What's up, brother? How you doing? How you doing, Ben? You know what? You should have an annual like run for borough president like get together at us uh, at Good old skinny. Dennis. That's great. I'll get all 6,000 people that voted for me together in a moderately sized bar, and we can just absolutely. Uh, I, I love it. We're doing it. We're going to need a bigger hall, Ben. Like <laughs> yeah, that would Coney be perfect. Maybe one of these days we could actually get a number that, uh, you know, that could lead to a victory. But it's baby uh, steps, baby steps. Yeah. We'll get there. You were talking, I mean, Condi Rice and uh, Andrea Mitchell. Yeah. And now we got Mike Pompeo. What do you think? Uh, Chris, I'm interested to hear you on, on Andrea Mitchell. Were you surprised how positive she was about Pompeo? She's a hack. She always has been, Mrs. Ellen Greenspan. I've never really cared for her. I don't think anything of her opinions. She is the status quo. She is the swamp, as people like to put it. <sighs> and her response to that White House correspondence dinner was just... Perfect. Oh, my you know? God. I, first I'm, of all, I've known Michelle Wolf for 10 years. We used to do open great. mics back in the day. How thin-skinned were the – I was like, this isn't that bad whatsoever. I've seen roast battles far worse than that. How thin-skinned are these media personalities? No, those media personalities you – know, that was the thing that I think everyone missed. It's just like these people are sycophants to power. That's all they are. And they wanted to get in good with, you know, uh, the press secretary, uh, Miss Huckabee. Mm -hmm. yeah, and that's all that was. Just like, you know, there was nothing that came out of her mouth. That I mean, there were three at a 20-minute set, Ben. Think yeah. about it. A 20-minute set, 
three jokes that fell flat. Right. That was about it. I know, you she, know what she yeah. did to the press corps? She skewered them. She did a beautiful job. Yeah, well, I, I thought that that was the point, but hey, maybe maybe not. I Maybe next year you just get Jeff Dunham, not even a diss on Jeff Dunham, whatever, but just get a comedian that has a bunch of puppets, and it can be really nice for everyone. Well, let's just get Gallagher and get sure. It get it, Gallagher. Know. Get a splash. But, get get a get a splash mountain. Get a bunch of plastic uh, garbage bags on the front row and have him smash a bunch of watermelons. But we got a moment here. You know, the thing is with this. Here's the deal. I mean, they've already come out with a statement. I mean, uh, like President President uh, Moon and uh, Chairman Kim. That's <clears> basically <throat> reunification. And this is not just two countries or three countries or four countries. We're talking, this is like, you're going to reunite the peninsula. You're going to let people get back with their families. This is something that 80 million Koreans have been digging for for a long time. Yeah, they have. Yes, they have. they've already come out with the statement. It's just like, you know, the peace treaty in the first place. I couldn't believe that anyone could get near that because, you know, the ossification of what is foreign policy. It's like never been in our best interest. And I'm very sorry, Condi and Bush and whatever. You screwed the pooch. You know, you, you didn't go in the right direction. Everyone was an enemy. You put them on the axis of evil. Yes, which are. is not an axis, by the way. It, was, no. it drove me absolutely insane. Uh, I, I guess it wasn't a literal term, but. I'm of the mind. It's just like, look, the man wants to come to the table. He built the nukes. He's got the nukes. He's got uh. the attention of the world. And this is all for the good. Because, really, the reunification of the peninsula would be a great thing. And there's already, I mean, nobody talks about the Putin plan from over a year ago. I mean, there are plans in place from multiple actors, you know, for like rail lines and, you know, transfers. And it's just like we need to take that country, which happens to be a mineralogical paradise, bring it into the rest of the world. And it's a fair trade thing. How do you think the North Koreans, because this is what I've been talking about, because I really don't know how they're going to react if they do start to have a little bit more information, if the state-run media gives them a little bit more insight into Western living, do you think they're going to be thankful that they finally have a little piece of the pie, or do you think they're going to be livid with how horrible they've had it? We're talking baby steps here. There's, there's no yes. doubt. Like, we're still just we're inching along here. Yes. And still we're going to have to go to three and four party talks when Donald gets over there. And I'm really – I mean, like, I did say, like, yeah, I'd nominate the man for a Nobel Prize, okay? But right now it's really looking like Moon and Kim would be in the front run for that. It's up to Donald and Pompeo and <clears throat> Bolton. I don't want Pompeo and Bolton to feed into the worst instincts of Donald. I don't. No, absolutely, and that's a big concern. Absolutely, very hawkish. In the past, I, apparently they've changed. I, I don't know, but that's the going uh, theme right now. But my quick take is that the the heavy lifting's already been done. Moon ran on a on a. On, I mean, Moon's got really good numbers in South Korea right now. I mean, he's a couple of years into his term. He ran on a platform of reunification, bringing families back together. The Olympics were a great success. And it has been working. So now it's time for us to speak and China to speak. And that's where things can go wrong. But the whole idea of just like a peace treaty in the first place, Mm. great start. Reunification, 10, 20 years, who knows? But there's already issues with South Korea, with North Koreans who are coming down. 
They're culturally distinct people, and they're actually taken advantage of by South Koreans. They're 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 looked down as an underclass. They're Absolutely smaller they body are. because they have less nutrition. Yeah. They have a different dialect. Yeah. No, I know. It's it's crazy to think what a difference literally uh, an inch makes, North and South Korea, how different the worlds are. Um, and that's just that's just the a, a testament to government. Uh, but it's a possibility that you know we, we just can't pass it up. And, and I will say I though, think Chris, really if, if, wants to win. if Pompeo and Trump, if if they if this doesn't get messed up, I will be the first to say, go to Barack Obama, get his Nobel Peace Prize, and put it around the neck of uh, of Donald Trump because certainly Obama didn't live up to um, the Nobel Peace Prize expectations, and quite frankly, I don't even know why he got one. Uh, so that is what it is. It was a promissory note. That it was. It was. It was. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it, man. Uh, okay, let's finish off this segment regarding uh, the plan, the summit. And let's finish off with Condoleezza Rice, because we got this clip here, so we might as well play it. Uh, the Brian Kilmeade Show, she says uh, they need to plan the summit very carefully and keep the nature of this regime in mind. And, of course, the nature of this regime, as we've seen, I, I don't got to harp on it too much. It's been pretty brutal for quite a while. Here's Condi Rice. Let's just take this to break. We will see. Uh, if I, I do think it's important to plan this summit very, very carefully. I'm encouraged that Secretary Pompeo managed to get there as CIA director to North Korea. None of us even knew it. That's a good sign. And uh, there seems to be a lot of dialogue back and forth. But um, I, I do think we have to keep in mind the nature of this regime. Hey, what's up, everyone? How are you? Ben Kissel back here with you. All right. Well, what a fun show it has been. Make sure you tune in tomorrow night, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I will be hosting once again, and that will be the last time I host this show for a little while uh, because there's going to be a new show, Benson and Harf. Uh, that'll be um, debuting next Monday. Uh, so please tune in tomorrow and give me a ring and uh, and say hello. I'm sure we'll have a lot of fun things uh, to talk about. Uh, okay, let's t let's play a couple. Okay, this is Donald Trump talking about his space force. I just love it so much. We're big in space because we're getting very big in space, <laughs> both militarily and for other reasons. And we are seriously thinking of the space force. Cool. <laughs> play just one more time. Yes, of course. And then we'll play the longer one. Oh, no. Actually, I'll play this one. You will be part of the five proud branches of the United States Armed Forces. Here we go. Army. Uh-huh. Navy. Two. Marines. Three. Air Force. And the Coast Guard. All right. And we're actually thinking uh -oh. of a sixth. And that would be the Space Force. Does that make sense? <laughs> The Space Force, General. You I don't know if it does. That. I'm but... just telling you now. This is perhaps because we're getting very big in space. Very big. Both militarily and for other reasons. And we are seriously <laughs> thinking of the Space Force. What would the so hymn be? You'll join the greatest force know. for peace and justice the world uh, has ever known. The, the future is going to be weird, folks. All right. I'm Ben Kissels. Talk to you tomorrow night. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. 
Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful, but we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost.